reaching up, reaching over, and reaching out. We are New Life Christian Fellowship. For service times, articles, or recordings of our weekly messages, please visit us online at www.nlcfchurch.org. Today's message, we're going to look at what the birthmarks of a true believer are. Um, First John gives us some great examples of those birthmarks. I'm going to just pick out three main ones uh, today. Um, First John is a very short book, but uh, read First John. There's a lot in there. Um, John doesn't really beat around the bush. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He just says it the way it is. And uh, uh, First John is kind of a book where John calls out the fakes because in reality, not everyone that says they're saved are saved. But also as Christians, sometimes we may deal with doubt about our own salvation by a raise of hands here, who has ever doubted or wondered about their salvation if it's genuine? <clears throat> I think it's a, very, uh, it's a very real emotion to have and a feeling to have, but doubt is not a healthy thing, and it is something that we should address. Um, in my book of Adrianisms, I find a lot of little one-liners in there that I like, but it says in there, Doubt is to our spirit what pain is to our body. When we have pain in our body, that is a signal that something is wrong. Also, doubt is a signal that there is something wrong with our spirit. So if we do deal with any sort of doubt or have dealt with doubt, we need to deal with it and pray about it. Um, But there's also a lot of comfort in the book of 1 John that we can know our salvation. But sometimes doubt can come from reading passages like Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, where it says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And I think uh, just reading over that passage can be a very frightening passage uh, for us as believers, and that can be a passage that causes many doubt and wonder um, if am I one of those that will call out Lord, Lord, and will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But again, in 1 John, we can find some birthmarks of a believer, and we can also find here that we can know that we are saved. So today we will look at some of those birthmarks and uh, let's examine ourselves to see if we have true saving faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So test one would be, is Jesus Christ real to you and is he the Lord of your life? Have you accepted the lordship of Jesus Christ? When you get saved, Jesus also becomes your lord. And if Jesus does not become your lord, you are not saved. It, is, it goes hand in hand. And lord basically just means master. So when we get saved, Jesus becomes the master of our life. And he takes control of our life. So do we just walk the walk or do we talk? Uh, do we just talk the talk or do we walk the walk? And uh, again, like I said, in First John here, I think John is calling out the fakes because there are many fakes in this world that are not truly saved. And it is very important that we examine ourselves and to make sure that we are not those phony Christians that Paul, or uh, sorry, John is calling out here. 
So as true believers, we submit to the lordship of Jesus. So when we become believers, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. What John is basically saying here is, if we keep his commandments, we can know that we are saved because we know him. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. It is a contradiction to say we're saved and Jesus is our Lord if we don't keep the commandments. Now, what's the word keep here mean? Are we never going to break any commandments? Are we going to be perfect like Jesus was? No, that's not what it's talking about here. Um, the word keep is ancient sailors used to use that term where they keep the stars, they followed the stars, the stars guided them in the direction. It would be kind of like in modern day, if you set your GPS to a destination, um, I'll use Dallas, Texas for an example. You set your destination to Dallas, Texas, on the way to Dallas, Texas, you'll probably get distracted, you're gonna veer off path, you're gonna take the wrong uh, route, but the GPS is gonna command you to get back on track and get you to Dallas, Texas. In the same way God's commandments we will break them here and there, we will fall off, but they will be our standard in life. And our standard and we will strive to keep those commandments if we truly have the Holy Spirit in us. Um, Luke chapter six, verse 46 says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? And John is saying here in 1 John, if you claim to be saved but don't keep God's commandments, you are a liar. And like I said, we will keep falling into sin, we will slipping, but if we have the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit will always veer us back on track and eventually we will meet that destination that we have set in our spiritual GPS. When we're truly saved, we will guard those commandments like a treasure and they will be precious and important to us. And we will have a desire to keep those commandments. And John is saying here, if you, if you have no desire to live by the word of God and you can willingly, knowingly continue to live in habitual sin without any conviction and a repentant heart and you can justify the sin you're living in, that person is a liar and is not saved. Now, we're not saved because we keep the commandments. We keep the commandments because we're saved. And we talked about this, or I mentioned it in Sunday school. We do live in a day where sin is being more and more justified uh, by people and even people in the church. Um, sin is minimized. Um, sin is not called out for what it is. And we need to call sin for what it is. Sin is sin. And we need to call it out and not, not be shy about it. But I feel like as time goes on, we're getting softer and softer to certain sins and even certain sins may be creeping into the church because we are minimizing them or we don't want to, you know, really talk about a certain topic because it's uncomfortable. But as believers, we need to call sin what it is and we need to do it boldly and with truth. And test number two is, do we seek and strive to live like Jesus did? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, it says, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. 
That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, we're not going to live in perfection like Jesus did, but we're going to strive to live a Christ-like life because Christ left us a great example on how to live. And Christ basically lived with honesty, with purity, and righteousness. And we are called to live the same way. And then John here uh, uses the phrase, as he, five times in the whole book. So this shows us how important it is to live a Christ-like life. In First uh, John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one, one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Our Christian duty is to live in the light. When we walk in the light, we cannot walk in the darkness. And when we walk in the light, we are following Jesus' way of living, living in his power, and growing in his grace. I found an article online written by Jeff Ropp, Um, It says this, One of the conditions for fellowship with God is to walk in the light as God is in the light. Notice John says to walk in the light, not according to the light. Walking according to the light would refer to sinless perfection as a condition for fellowship with God. But the preposition in refers to walking in the sphere of God's light. In other words, to have fellowship with God, we must be open and honest with him as we walk in the light with him. And he continues and says, Like a man walking in the sphere of light produced by a street lamp at night where he can see any stains on his clothing, so believers are to walk in the sphere of light that God gives us through his word and his presence. As I walk in the light in which God dwells, as he is in the light, his light will reveal any unconfessed sin in my life. I then have a choice to make. I can either agree with God and confess my sin... Um, this is according to verse 9 in First John, uh, chapter 1. Or I can disagree with God and deny my sin. Denying my sin will cast me into the darkness of broken fellowship with God. Confessing my sin will enable me to maintain close fellowship with God. So when we are open and honest with God, the Bible says we will have fellowship with one another. And the one another here, I believe, refers to God and us in the context. Then in chapter 2, verse 6, John says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Again, as Jesus did. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 3, And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. We are called to live pure lives. Um, A person who feeds on filth and debauchery and is a lover of pornography or any sort of adulterous lifestyle We have no right to call ourselves in fellowship with God. Uh, Debauchery, I believe the meaning is uh, living in the sin of sex, drugs, and alcohol, basically what would sum it up. And uh, again, the modern day church, it seems like we're getting further and further away from calling this sin out what it is, uh, the sin of pornography or even living an adulterous lifestyle and the abuse of drugs and alcohol. Um, I I just think the grand scheme of things, the whole church, the North American church, is kind of getting soft on some of these issues and don't really want to talk about it. And if you ever have time, go to covenanteyes.com, and there is some statistics on there about uh, the pornography issue. And it is mind-boggling what the statistics are. And one statistic is there's one in seven churches 
and I'm assuming that's North America, one in seven churches that have some sort of ministry in place to help people that are dealing with this sin. One in seven churches. Like, how is this not a bigger issue? And it is a very big issue in life. And, you know, with technology, with the smartphones, like, it's, it's, at, it's at your fingertips. It's so accessible uh, more now than it has ever been. And, uh, you know, I think there was another uh, statistic on there. Uh, don't quote me on the number, but it was like uh, three in five online searches nowadays are for pornography. That is crazy to think about, and it is a very serious issue in our lives, but we are called to live pure lives as Jesus did. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't slip into the sin of pornography or whatever it may be, but if this is our lifestyle, if sin is our lifestyle, then we're not walking as Christ did, and we cannot call ourselves followers of Christ. And then in chapter 3, verse 7, uh, John says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. Um, I also found this online. Righteousness isn't passive. It's not, I'll just sit here and be sure I'm doing nothing wrong. Righteousness is actively doing good, just as Jesus did. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So how can we live a righteous life? Well, we can go right to John chapter 15, verse 5, and it says this, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So in order to live a righteous life, we are to abide in Jesus Christ. It's having the same relationship with Jesus that a branch has with a grapevine. Jesus is the vine and we are the branch. And as a branch, we can do nothing on our own and we are completely reliant on the vine, which is Jesus Christ. And also as a branch, we don't produce the fruit. We just bear the fruit that the vine produces. Jesus as the vine is the chief executive and we just abide in him and bear his fruit. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. So Jesus as a man here on earth abided in the Father we, the way we are to abide in Jesus Christ. So as a branch, we ought to live in complete dependence on the vine. It clings completely to the vine. It rests in the vine and the life of the vine comes into the branch. Without the vine, the branch has no life, and it withers away and dies. And if we are going to have a life, the lifestyle of Jesus Christ, then we must abide in, in him. When we abide in him, and we are to, then we are to Jesus what Jesus was to the Father, then Jesus will be to us what the Father was to Jesus. When we are saved, Jesus is alive in us, and we need to let Jesus live life through us and take full control. And when we decide to abide in Jesus, that is when we walk like him. In chapter 4, verse 17, John says, 
And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So the third test and the third birthmark is the love test. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says this, If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by darkness. We see so much hatred to, uh, towards believers in the church, and it's not just from uh, the world that hates believers, but it is believers hating each other. Um, and this is creeping more and more into the church. There's so much gossip. There's so much slander. We see it time and time again how people drag people's names through the mud. Um, there's bitterness between believers, and then that bitterness doesn't get dealt with. And then that leads to anger, it leads to hatred, and so on. And so many times we see these issues, even amongst believers, that there's, there's conflict, uh, there's love lost, people are angry at each other, there's bitterness, there's hatred towards each other, and we see no desire for reconciliation. How can we claim that we are right with God? And John is saying here, if we hate a fellow believer, we are still living in the darkness. How can we go around hating a fellow believer and claim that we are in fellowship with Jesus Christ? That is a contradiction. And if there is someone that uh, we have a problem with, that we have bitterness towards, or something needs to be resolved, we need to reconcile that. And if we have no desire to reconcile that, we have no right to call ourselves followers of Christ. John tells us here, if that's the attitude of our heart, then we're still living in darkness and we have no right to call ourselves right with God. So my encouragement for all of us is, is there anyone you're bitter towards? Is there anyone in the church you hate? Is there a fellow believer you hate? Pray about it. Make it right. How can we claim that we love Jesus Christ when we hate what he loves? Jesus loves his whole church. So when we claim that, we are only fooling ourselves and lying to ourselves. Jesus gave his number one command in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Hours before Jesus was crucified, Jesus knelt and washed the feet of his disciples. And he says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Uh, another uh, quote I found in my Adrianism's book, it's called, G or it says, Jesus loves each one, not because we're lovely, he just loves uh, John chapter 13, verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So what are we showing the world when we walk around with bitterness and hatred towards fellow believers when Jesus clearly says here that how we prove to the world that we are his followers is by loving uh, one another. So are we saved by keeping God's commandments? 
No. Are we saved by being honest, pure, and righteous? No. Are we saved because we walk as Jesus walked? No. We are saved through the grace of Jesus Christ and by faith alone. It is by the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross that we are saved. But keeping the commandments and walking in the light as Christ did and loving as Christ did will be something we do because Christ lives in us, in us and through us. So we must submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And how do we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Is we walk in the light. When we walk in the light, we cannot walk in the darkness. And we must seek to live a Christ-like life. And we must love like Jesus Christ did. So John is calling out the fakes, and John doesn't really sugarcoat anything in the book of 1 John. But there's also some comfort to take away from this book because he tells us, if we have these birthmarks, we can know that we are eternally secure. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 3, And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. And then First John chapter 4, verse 17, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. These are such great promises we have here. When we are truly saved and have the birthmarks of a believer, we can have confidence in our salvation. So let's walk in the light. When we walk in the light, we cannot walk in the darkness. And how do we overcome sin? It is by walking in the light. We either walk in the light or we walk in the darkness. We can't do it at the same time. Just like our human mind can't think a good thought and an evil thought at the exact same time. So my encouragement for us is that we will all truly examine ourselves and see, do we have true saving faith and do we have the birthmarks of a believer? My encouragement also is that we will strive to walk like Jesus did and make his commandments a standard in our lives. And also as a church, let's love each other, let's encourage each other, and lift each other up. And if we see someone battling with uh, sin in the church, um, let's take that logjam out of our eyes and get right with God and approach that person and hold people accountable for their sin. But we also do it in a loving way, like the disciples did and the way Jesus did. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 35 again, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with thankful hearts. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. I pray that we will take these scriptures and examine our hearts. Through faith, we will accept your grace and apply these birthmarks to our lives. Lord, give us hearts of service and worship. Let us as a church show your love. We thank you and give you praise in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.